Welcome back to episode 7 of Inside Illini Football on a snowy Monday morning here in Champaign. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels. Pleased to be joined by beat writer Colin Likas. Colin, how are you? Uh, doing well, uh, you asked me. As I was coming in this morning, how the roads were. I don't know there's been a snowplow <laughs> used in Champaign. No offense to any snowplow drivers out there, but man, the roads are bad. <laughs> Uh, so if Brett Bielma's program is working out, they're going to be doing so at the Irwin Indoor Facility. Uh, if they want to work out outdoors, that would be f- make for some really cool photos. That is something <laughs> Brett Bielma has said, though, uh, in his, his brief time as Illinois coach, mm-hmm. is that he uh, he wants to, to practice and work out in the conditions that they have. Well, you have. never know when you might have to play in such conditions. I don't think the Ireland game is going to be played <laughs> in snow, but <laughs> one that gets played in late November, early December certainly could be trying to think the last snow game illinois was involved in obviously the one that comes to mind right away is the the game at penn state in in 2011 which was obviously joe paterno's last game as coach before the the horrific scandal was made public out in in happy valley Mm -hmm. um i know there's been obviously some very cold games but uh oh yeah just looking out the windows here at our studio it's just it's snowing quite a lot and <laughs> it just made me think of that a topic right off off top so we're off to a, a great start Colin yeah this uh this is more like first week of MLB season weather <laughs> at least in Chicago <laughs> that's 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 a good point all right Colin uh starting off the podcast with some some news of the week and I know mm-hmm. last week you had a chance to to talk with uh, Pat Embleton uh, and Patrick Pearson Pat Embleton and, mm-hmm. and Patrick Pearson are two key guys behind the scenes for Brett Bielema's program. Embleton's been around quite a bit longer, and, and Pearson's uh, relatively new right. to, to the Illini staff. Fill us in on, on those two uh, guys and, and what their role is with the Illini. Right, so Pat Embleton, actually, uh, we were recording the last episode of this podcast when we talked to him, so Bob Osmussen was the one who got to talk to Pat Embleton, but I read Bob's Bob's column. I have it up on my computer right now for reference as well. <laughs> Pat is the director of recruiting in Illinois. As you said, he's a returnee. He's been working here since the Tim Beckman era, uh, so he's been through Tim Beckman, Bill Cubitt, Lovey Smith, and now Brett Bielema. He's kind of like Tim Knox in a sense. He's been around this program for a long time, and the coaches who keep coming in think he does a great job at what he does, so they keep him around, which is obviously a pretty high compliment. But yeah, director of recruiting, really important role right now. Pat Hamilton got mentioned during Brett Bielema's last uh, press uh, press conference, and I think that's what led to him uh, getting his own press time, Pat mm-hmm. Embleton, um, the following week, because Brett Bielema called him a rock star, said uh, he's been he's going to be really important to what this team wants to do recruiting-wise, which we'll talk a little bit more about the recruiting front here in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, I, I did not, unfortunately, get to talk to Pat Embleton, so I didn't get like a, a perfect impression of him like mm-hmm. Bob Osmussen did. However, it's pretty obvious that... Uh, that he's going to be important to what Illinois wants to accomplish in state and out of state moving forward. Yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, he's been around the program for for quite some time. Uh, kind of funny anecdote with him. Uh, this was when I was on the beat in the 2013 season. Bob and I uh, we go to practice at Memorial Stadium, and they had it open for the first half hour, or so mm-hmm. so you could really see them uh, really work on their stretching, sure. and and that's about it. Um, <laughs> but one time, this was later in the season, and uh, Bob and I were on the east side of memorial stadium and we kind of kept going further back on the the first level at the stadium mm-hmm. and uh, pat was a, a graduate assistant with the program at the time okay. 
he unfortunately had to make the trek up the stairs to tell me and Bob we had to get out because uh, <laughs> practice was uh, officially closed to the, the media. And Bob and I were the only two uh, reporters or media types there. So that was kind of funny. But Pat's uh, <laughs> Pat's always a good resource for the program. Uh, he knows uh, the ins and outs of the Illinois football program almost better than, than anyone. And uh, mm-hmm. really good to see him stay on board. And I think it speaks to just the work he's been able to, to do right. and the relationships he's built that he's been able to be there through four different coaches in the right. last nine years and uh it's it's good for that brett bielma kept some some continuity around and yep uh you know he and uh bielma and the staff were and we can talk we're going to talk more about it later just uh the fact that they're reaching out to every single high school football coach yeah. in the state is right. uh, a mammoth task that they're undergoing right now yeah yeah and uh <laughs> that's good for pat embleton i like that anecdote he's worked his way up from being the guy who gets the grunt work of <laughs> telling people to get out of the stadium to director of recruiting he that's, was very nice about it and bob <laughs> and i were very willing to we didn't put up much of a fight we knew we we had to leave yeah, and, yeah. And he was just doing his job yeah but i did get to talk to patrick pearson live i was part of mm-hmm. that press conference last wednesday um, I think he and Kevin Kane are long lost brothers. They look very <laughs> similar to me. Um, Illinois' associate head coach um, and uh, yeah, linebacker. Outside co- linebacker. I was trying to remember if it was inside or outside. It was outside. skipping my mind. That's right. But, um, yeah, those two look the same to me. Um, but Patrick Pearson's job is certainly interesting. He, as he admitted, he comes to the, from the University of Oregon, worked with Brett Bielema at the University of Arkansas. Uh, He's worked in communications for the last 17 years, athletic communications, mostly on the basketball side. He got into football uh, at Arkansas. Brett Beal, basically somebody had left the Arkansas comm staff. So Patrick Pearson was taking out a larger role during a spring practice, and Brett Bielema, is, is, it seems to happen with a lot of people Brett Bielema works with, Brett Bielema just approached him and started a conversation with him, just like, hey, you're, you're so-and-so, right? Do you want this job? Because the job <laughs> had opened up, the football comms job. That's the guy who had left at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And 45 minutes later, Patrick Pearson was like, I want to be the director of football communications <laughs> at the University of Arkansas, and I want to work with Brett Bielema. And so it came to be, and they, they're working together again now, but... Now, Patrick Pearson's job is in charge of football branding and creative media, which, as he admitted, he's not sure how many people hold that title around the nation Mm -hmm. in different football programs. It's definitely something relatively new, and that's because a big focus of it is on the name, image, and likeness, which you just see abbreviated to NIL all over Mm -hmm. the place. Um, Basically, that uh, allowing athletes to uh, benefit monetarily, Mm -hmm. benefit in in more ways than just a a handshake, basically, over their name, image, and likeness being used by the NCAA and by the colleges. So that's a big focal point for Patrick Pearson, something that Brett Bielma is trying to get on top of before a lot of other colleges. Also, something else Patrick Pearson mentioned was telling the stories of the athletes who want their stories told and finding the best way in order to do that, whether it's through local media, Big Ten Network, even going as high as like an ESPN type Mm -hmm. deal. Um, basically just to get the personality of the program out there, which I'm not surprised that's something Brett Bielema wanted to focus on because Brett Bielema is a big personality guy. Mm-hmm. He wants the personality of his program to shine through, it seems like. So I feel like uh, Patrick Pearson's hire, uh, it'll be very beneficial to the athletes, first and foremost. And second of all, I think it might be most beneficial to us in the media, honestly. It sounds <laughs> like he's going to help us get some more stories, hopefully, uh, out of some kids moving forward. But it's definitely, first and foremost, beneficial for these athletes when it comes to that name, image, and likeness uh, argument. Yeah, and I'm sure part of his role, too, is just kind of crafting, like you said, the the brand. And, and that's mm-hmm. so important in, in college football in 2021. Uh, you see that play out on social media all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's something that... 
uh, Illinois is, uh, I wouldn't say behind it all. They, they do a really good yeah, job of, of getting things out there, but yeah. maybe take that, that next step in, in, in that regard at all. Not to, not to interrupt you, but just to add on to that, he was at, Patrick Pearson was at Florida Gulf Coast back in the late, tw- early 2010s, I should mm-hmm. say, when Dunk City was <laughs> trending on Twitter when Florida Gulf Coast men's basketball double-digit seed mm-hmm. 15 shocked seed, everybody in the Georgetown in the NCAA tournament. Made the Sweet 16. Yeah, and uh, and Dunk City was trending because these guys were just throwing down massive mm-hmm. alley-oop dunks and off-the-backboard dunks, and he was part of that process. So he, he knows how to get a program trending yeah. in a positive direction. Well, that's a uh, positive direction is one thing that Bielema and his staff are trying to do uh, on the recruiting front. Uh, they've already got one class of 22 commit uh, in bo- on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Oakley, uh, offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We talked about him last week, but kind of the big uh, big waves that the Illinois coaches made on, on Twitter, at least, uh, late midweek last week was uh, they released they released maps of the state of Illinois, yeah. Allen, and, and why was this generating so much buzz? Uh, I just don't know. I mean, obviously I've not been around the Illinois football program for that long, but it just seems like this is something that hasn't really happened before, <laughs> uh, specifically. Like, the tweeting out of maps that specifically show where the, all of these assistant coaches are going to be, showing Corey Patterson in St. Louis and showing mm-hmm. Bart Miller in the Chicagoland area, showing Tony Peterson taking over a large portion of this area, East mm-hmm. Central Illinois. Ben Miller has, I believe, Vermilion or Iroquois County. Mm-hmm. Also, it's hard, it's kind of hard to tell because they didn't put any cities <laughs> on the map or anything like that, so you're kind of guessing as to the exact outlines. But yeah, it's just it was fascinating to see this all kind of sprinkle out uh, midweek. It was just one by one these assistant coaches started uh, tweeting out, "This is where I'm going to be recruiting." Mm-hmm. Just a black uh, black outline of the entire state of Illinois with an orange mm-hmm. representation of wherever they were going to be, mm-hmm. and it's exciting because it shows that Brett Bielman and his staff are taking seriously that very early promise they made of we're going to focus on in-state recruiting and we're going to turn over every every stone to try and find the the athletes we need to from in-state first and foremost. And that, that goes along with what you said earlier about reaching out to every high school coach in the area. <laughs> and, I mean, some of the earliest reactions I saw locally were Oakwood coach Al Craig, mm-hmm. former Champaign Central assistant coach. Uh, he's said he had a great talk with a member of the staff. Uh, and then over at Schlarman, they actually have a new head coach who I haven't gotten to meet over there. But they're, they're only an eight-man football program. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say only, but the, they're not an 11-man football yeah. program is what I mean to say. Uh, but still, Eric Chris, the athletic director over there, tweeted out, had a great conversation with the Illinois football staff. Like, it, when when they're reaching out to eight-man program, you know mm-hmm. they're serious about it. They're not, they're not just like, we're going to go to the 11-man programs and that's it. Yeah. They're they're turning over every leaf is what it sounds like and, and putting those maps out kind of uh, shows a, a level of like you can trust us mm-hmm. this is what we're doing well and obviously illinois is not going to be able to keep every single high school football recruit in the state oh, of course it's, not it's not feasible it's not possible with the number of uh, division one prospects that the state produces but and, i think yeah more the number so of, of colleges that mm-hmm. i mean illinois is where illinois got its for you just mentioned illinois got its first 2022 recruit from wisconsin mm-hmm. yeah mean. but i think more so from an optic standpoint it, mm-hmm. it's key to just to, to show that bielema and his staff are out there uh, and, and really concentrating on in-state where that yep. necessarily didn't seem to be the narrative uh, from the last five seasons under Lubby Smith and, and his staff and, and I think that's a key a key aspect for for Illinois and you look at some of the, the great teams that Illinois had in the last 30 40 years or so they've uh, generated a lot of talent from in the state mm-hmm. from all corners of the state not just the Chicagoland right. area but in Springfield and, and down south and in the metro east area and here even here in central and east central Illinois so 
Uh, Bielema, I think, gets that part of it. And, and again, more so, it, it's not like they're going it, to – it's good to reach out to, to programs like mm-hmm. Schlarman or other high school programs in the area that traditionally haven't produced Division One recruits right. just because of that relationship building and, and right. getting, getting the coaches' names out there and making – more importantly, making the high school coaches feel like they're kind of part of the process too and, and just knowing that if they've got a kid that's a potential recruit, mm-hmm. uh, they could – someday wind up you know playing for the Atlanta possibly yeah you never know when a kid could come out of even the smallest area mm-hmm. I mean I wrote a story earlier in the pandemic about mm-hmm. Fisher athletics not just football Fisher athletics mm-hmm. suddenly churning out division one athletes got six kids in division one athletes who are Fisher graduates that's a school of 250 300 kids you wouldn't mm, think they would 200 have, kids yeah you yeah. wouldn't have six you wouldn't think you'd have six division mm-hmm. one current division one athletes coming from that school yeah, Gibson city bigger than fisher but you have bryce barnes mm-hmm. who's currently on the illinois football roster and aiden lawfrey who has had an illinois mm-hmm. offer from lovey smith staff i mean that's not a very big school either less than 500 kids i mean it's uh you never know where you could get talent from Speaking of Fisher, don't don't mess with the bunnies. No, do not. <laughs> uh, so they announced, and this was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say headline news last week, but they Illinois did announce some some key weekend dates uh, for the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, homecoming, Dad's Day, Foundation Weekend. Uh, Colin, hopefully you have those memorized on when those games are, <laughs> or you're looking them up right now. I, I tend to, to be more I, cons- to I tend to be more concerned with who the opponents are <laughs> versus those. Dates, I think it's interesting but. though that homecoming, and again, let's all hope and. Mm-hmm. Eight months when the homecoming game is, it's scheduled for October 9th. It's against Wisconsin. You'd have to think that was done with a little bit of irony yeah. in the sense that that's Brett Bielema's first game here in Champaign against uh, his former school. But, right. Uh, that's, let's hope there's fans in the stands. I think there will be. Illinois hasn't come out and said anything in, in that regard, but you'd have to think eight months from now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, with conditions improving the pandemic and uh, being outside, that there will be some limited capacity mm-hmm. at Memorial Stadium uh, next season. But uh, fill us in on those dates, Colin. Yeah, uh, Foundation Weekend against Charlotte on October 2nd. Like you said, Wisconsin, October 9th, homecoming. And then Dad's Day against Rutgers on October 30th, a okay. pre-Halloween game. So All right, there you go. Hopefully hopefully that game is not too spooky for Illinois. But <laughs> yeah, it would be uh, really nice, especially for homecoming, to see fans in the stands mm-hmm. again. I would be surprised if it would be a full capacity yeah. thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see some limited fans. Uh, more more than just family members, too. Right, exactly. Exactly. Obviously, you want family members there for something like Homecoming or yeah. Dad's Day, but you would also like those season ticket holders mm-hmm. and some of those other fans, especially those lifelong fans, to get an opportunity to come to games. Well, even as we sit here, as Champagne's getting hit with what? Three to four inches of snow. I'm always bad That's, at estimating say snowfall. A, I would say at least two to three okay. inches. Yeah. With more on the way and, yes. and more coming down right now. There actually was a football, a college football game this past weekend. <laughs> and and I, as, uh, as Bob Osmussen wrote in, in Sunday's News Gazette, uh, there's more college football coming yeah. in state this spring. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I was actually uh, filling out the, the rest of my college football extra page for Sunday's News Gazette, and the only thing I left to do was fill in some, some college notes. <laughs> and, and I didn't have a lot of space to do it, so I'm thinking, what are some small things I can write about? And lo and behold, I find McNeese State mm-hmm. and Tarleton State out of Texas playing a Saturday night game, and I thought... Wow, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't know these two teams were going to be kicking off the spring football season. Tarleton State, 
probably don't know who they are around here. It was a Division II school before this year. Tribute and, question. But they were somehow a three-point favorite going into this game. Uh, McNeese State ended up winning in overtime, so it was a thrilling first uh, first game of the spring college football season. I, love, yeah. I love that we're talking about McNeese State and Tarleton State <laughs> on inside the line of football. And, and to tie it into the Illini, right. quick Trivia question, Colin. Who it. is the Tarleton State men's basketball coach well, um, that has an Illini tie? Um, I'm pretty uh, sure about this. I feel confident in this. On. You can Google this. You have a laptop. They, on this. I do, but I, I just I Google just it after with, to make sure I'm right. I just want to come up with the most ridiculous possible guess. Former I can. former Illini assistant coach Tarleton in State the Bill South days. Basketball. Let's take a peek here. Then went on oh. to coach at Kentucky. Okay. Billy had Gillespie. A, Billy Gillespie, Tarleton State men's that. basketball coach. So there you go. That's interesting. Did you just know that? Or? Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I don't know if that's awesome. <laughs> I think it is. Um, I, I love random knowledge. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, you know, you, you look that up and you think, wow, that's really weird. There's a football game. But then you in the back of your head you're like, oh, yeah, so many teams did mm-hmm. not play football during the fall. Just because we saw all the major FBS uh, mm-hmm. leagues playing football does not mean everybody else did. And yeah, Bob Osmussen, it was great for him to catch up with the coaches over at Illinois State and Eastern Illinois. They're both opening up here in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's exciting for Illinois fans even because, I mean, maybe you don't root for Illinois State or Eastern Illinois or mm-hmm. what have you. But if you love college football, you get to watch some college football. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And, and, and football fans are, are out there and uh, a chance for them to, to watch some, some teams they may not pay much attention to during the regular fall because mm-hmm. the spotlight's kind of shining all, all on them and... Uh, Illinois State's coming off a, a 2019 season that saw them reach the FCS quarterfinals. Uh, my alma mater, Eastern Illinois, had a down season. Don't really want to talk about it too much, <laughs> so we'll just move on from that. Well, but, we uh, can talk about maybe they'll invite Tony Romo to sure. to a game since he was... Uh, that'd be great. His number's yeah. retired there. Yeah, exactly. I there mean, talk go. to him about how he got to call a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. yeah. That'd be a fun little moment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Every week we've been breaking down uh, a certain position group uh, for the Illini ahead of the 2021 season. Uh, we shifted to the defensive side of the ball last mm-hmm. week with the defensive line. So staying on the defensive side this week, Colin, let's look at the linebackers and yep. uh, notably two key absences uh, already with Jake Hansen and Milo Eifler, uh, both declaring for the NFL draft. Yep. Um, that, to me, is a position group that has arguably on the defensive side of the ball, has the most question marks yes. going into the 2021 season. 100% agree. Um, I think for the whole team, that along with the receivers, those are the two position groups that are kind of like, okay, we're not returning the bulk of the <laughs> starters here. We're mm-hmm. going to have to make, we're going to have to figure some things out. We're going to have to make some things work. And it probably helps a little bit that you've got two really experienced coaches helping that group out in, in, in Andy Boo mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Kane. Mm-hmm. As well, but yeah, Jake Hansen and Milo Eifler both declared that really wasn't a surprise on either front. Jake Hansen got an NFL combine invite, not mm-hmm. a surprise. Good luck to, to both of them. Their impact on the program obviously was immense. Jake Hansen a little more so than Milo Eifler, but still immense impact mm-hmm. to both guys. But I mean, the, the cabinet's not barren, which is good. Um, the only problem is your key returners all suffered pretty mm-hmm. significant injuries to end yeah. the 2020 season, which is really unfortunate. Tariq Barnes and Kalon Tolson, first of all, both suffered season-ending injuries mid-season, had mm-hmm. surgery around the exact same time late in 2020. Um, and Shaman Cooper finally got some work late in the season. Then he suffered inju- mm-hmm. an injury in the first game. <clears throat> 
excuse me, that he really got to play. So those three guys are kind of your three top returning linebackers, and all three are coming off injuries. That's not to say they will be less effective because of it, yeah. but there's always adjustments to be made after you suffer pretty pretty important injuries, pretty brutal, and brutal's not the right word, but key injuries, not mm-hmm. just like a tweak of the ankle or something like that. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, too, just to see. I, I would think whenever spring practices do get underway for the Illini that uh, you would not see them. In action, or if you do, they're in, in a limited role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tolson's a guy that has had the most experience. He he started at the tail end of the 2019 season when mm-hmm. Jake Hansen went down with a back injury, and he, and he played pretty well being thrust into the lineup there and uh, showed some good signs last year. And, and Tariq Barnes, I think, obviously was probably the lone bright spot for the Illini. He, and ca- he came out out of nowhere, and then as soon as he did, it was gone. In their season opening uh, loss at Wisconsin last year, had the lonely touchdown in that game on a, on a fumble return. and just seemed to be a, a steady presence there and and Cooper was a highly touted recruit mm-hmm. out of Trinity Catholic right. um you know he made his decision to attend uh, Illinois when uh, he was at the I think the Under Armour All-American game uh, down in Florida and, and decided Illinois over a host of other power five offers there so I think you're just waiting to for him to kind of live up to his uh, mm-hmm. his lofty expectations that were placed on him as, as a high school recruit but those three if they're healthy should Again, the keyword is should. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Be able to provide some depth and stability there. And I don't think it was um, by any stretch of the imagination a uh, reason why the, the first transfer that Illinois landed in the Brett Bielma era was a linebacker in Calvin Hart Jr. from mm-hmm. North Carolina right. State, who yep. um, I think is going to have to probably play right away. Oh, I have to. Um, for the Illini, and, and if, if he's not starting, be a, be a key contributor just to have some depth in that position group. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get reps pretty quickly unless he just totally doesn't impress during spring ball. But, um, yeah, with, with the fact that he has Power 5 experience coming in, I would have to imagine he gets reps right away. And then on the, the, the recruits front, Dylan Rosiak is already on campus, which okay. is always good. He's out of the same school as Jake Hansen mm-hmm. came from. So, you know, you hope that uh, maybe some of that uh, ability <laughs> carries 2.0. over. And then you got Kalen Villanueva and Dwayne, not the Rock Johnson, <laughs> also rounding out the, the incoming class of 2021 mm-hmm. on the, in the linebackers room. So infusing some more talent in a little bit more than, say, the defensive line last week where we didn't really have many incoming mm-hmm. guys to talk about. Uh, you kind of filling up the linebacker room a little more. There was some intent uh, put on that, obviously, by Lovey Smith's staff because they probably saw the, the writing on the wall that they weren't going to – uh, have Jake Hansen, Milo Eifler back mm-hmm. next season. So, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's a, it's the room on, on the defense with the most question marks, but it's not totally inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, there just may be some some growing pains off the bat. Yeah, and maybe that's why you saw Brett being able to hire two coaches to yeah. really specifically work with the linebackers, with, with Andy Boo, who's been a defensive coordinator at some of his previous stops, and then Kevin Kane, who came from SMU, where he was a defensive right. coordinator, work with the outside linebackers as well, so they can have some experience there on, on the coaching front uh, to really kind of bolster that group, especially if you think of uh, some of the great players in Illinois history. I think you automatically think mm-hmm. of the linebacker position with what they, well, obviously with Dick Buckus, uh, with what he did. I mean, you don't build a statue for just anyone <laughs> on, <laughs> right. on a college campus. And no. then uh, I don't see a lot of statues on the Illinois campus. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, obviously Dana Howard and yep. uh, Kevin Hardy. And I know Simeon Rice has kind of fallen in that linebacker defensive end mix sure. too. And then John Holosek, the H boys in, in the mid 1990s. And, uh, they've had some really, really impressive linebackers here at Illinois, and uh, that obviously is kind of like the quarterback of, of the defense. Right. So, 
lot uh, will be placed on on guys like Tariq Barnes, Kalen Tolson, Shamad Cooper in, in the 2021 seasons, and uh, we'll see if they can live up to to some of those expectations, and also really try to answer some of those those questions. I'm sure they're probably using this off season as as motivation to kind of prove some of the doubters wrong. Yeah, that's my my big question to round out this conversation regards that quarterback of the defense question because obviously it was Jake Hansen mm-hmm. uh, in the last couple of years you could argue so who takes on that role now mm-hmm. uh, uh, spring ball hopefully will tell us <laughs> all right uh, going to our final segment uh, which hopefully all you loyal listeners of inside Atlanta football have come to uh, enjoy and well they didn't last week because I made them all <laughs> question sanity and <laughs> it's all right Colin you just apparently really like Illinois football uniforms so that's fine can't hold that against you everyone's uh, got their got their preference but this week uh, we call this the Big Ten. It's it's a draft of of ten, uh, draft of ten. Uh, this week we're going to do uh, Big Ten rivalries, and we're just yep. looking at the in conference rivalries. And Colin, since uh, you know the feedback was loud uh, about Illinois uniforms being your top uniforms in the Big Ten. Uh, you can start off this week with the first pick. Don't blow it. I will try not to. Good luck. I, I hope. Try. I hope if you. I, I think it's. Again, you think I, it's a shoe in? I think in. it's a I shoe probably in. don't. I think it's a shoe in. Who <laughs> the top rival? In, okay. Top rivalry in okay. the Big Ten is. Okay. Well, arguably one of the top rivalries in all of sports. I, I'm not trying to get you I, to lean a certain okay, way. So I first I'm gonna do an honorable mention because I don't think you're going to pick this one, and okay. I'm just fascinated about the name of the trophy that okay. goes along with this game. Right. Minnesota Nebraska. Do you know what trophy they play for? The corn. <laughs> Pig trophy. The five dollar bits of broken chair trophy. All right. I have no idea what that is. I need to go look <laughs> it up. It's fascinating. I don't even consider Minnesota and Nebraska to be a rivalry, but apparently they play for a trophy <laughs> about a broken chair every year. So there you All go. Right. Um, uh, anyway, back to actual rivalries. <laughs> Michigan, Ohio State. Okay, thank you. Um, that, that's, your, that's your lead off there. Um, two of the most successful programs in Big Ten history. Obviously, not just recent. Whenever they get together, it seems to be nasty because they're both vying for national title contendership, mm-hmm. especially in recent years. More so Ohio State than Michigan, but mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh has gotten sick around for the last few years despite some, quote fingers, underwhelming performances, performances mm-hmm. that Illinois would love to have. But yeah, just the, the amount of talent and the amount of just hatred that comes from when these two teams meet, I think it's... Yeah, like you said, a top rivalry in all of sports. One of those that rivals your New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox mm-hmm. type type of rivalry. It's right. uh, yeah, easy. Well, you're you're back in the good graces of everyone that uh, you haven't lost your mind completely. <laughs> Not <now>. totally. <laughs> uh, this is interesting though, because um, again, I we just went over this topic. I think like an hour or so before we started recording this, mm-hmm. so I haven't really put that too much thought into it. And sure. I know there's obviously some great rivalries in the Big Ten. I actually pulled up a. <laughs> All-knowing knowledge here, Wikipedia article <laughs> on a list of Big Ten rivalries to see what they would consider rivalries, and that's how I found out about this ridiculous Minnesota-Nebraska trophy. So Make sure you triple-check that. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to uh, – my number one pick, uh, I'm going to stay in the Mitten State, and I'm going to go Michigan, Michigan State. Good one. Um, I think we saw a few years ago when Michigan uh, went to Spartan Stadium and they <laughs> – um, proceeded to stomp on the the logo at midfield yep. and tear up some of the the fine grass there uh you've got two programs that for years kind of michigan state was a little brother and in, in recent years they've really kind of risen up and 
taking down Big Brother, as as Mike Hart likes to to mm-hmm. call uh, Michigan at all. But I think that <laughs> when that rival, when both programs are are really good, I think that's almost yeah. a that transcends just beyond the Big Ten too. It really garners some some national attention too. So. Yep. My number one pick, I'm going to go Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, Colin, you're back on the clock with uh, your second pick for the best Big Ten rivalry. Well, I was born and raised in Indiana, All northwest right. Indiana, but still Indiana, so I'm going with Purdue, IU. All right. Um, didn't get to play last year or mm-hmm. last season despite many tried efforts to, <laughs> yeah, to make it happen. Exactly. <laughs> they tried really hard to make that game Very happen true. and just could not, and uh, I talked to some Purdue fans because I know a lot of them about it, and they were like, okay, fine, because IU was, uh, mm-hmm. was obviously good. And Purdue yeah. was fine, middling <laughs> at best. Purdue fans were like, "Yeah, we're we're okay with not playing that game this year because losing to IU is never fun in any sport for them." But yeah, uh, it's it's a different kind of uh, rivalry than say Ohio State and Michigan because Purdue and IU haven't always had mm-hmm. like perennially amazing football teams. They haven't had good football teams, Colin. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm being <laughs> nice, but but there's always just. You got to win. That's that's a game that you got to win at the end of the season if you're one of those programs. Even if you go O for the rest of the season, that's the one game you've got to win. And yeah, it's the premier college football rivalry in the state of Ill- or in the state of Indiana, in my mind, because mm-hmm. Notre Dame has kind of always been significantly better than yes. those programs. So when they meet, it doesn't really generate as much. And beyond that, there's not really any other FBS programs to speak of in the same vein. So okay. I'm going with uh, Purdue IU there. Okay, so solid, solid number two choice. Can't can't disagree with you there on that. So uh, with my second pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Minnesota, Wisconsin, mainly yep. just because they play for a really cool trophy. <laughs> the Axe. Paul Bunyan's Axe. Yep. Uh, I know on, it's a series that Wisconsin has dominated in, until recently, and I know the 2019 season that P.J. Flex Gophers had uh, kind of put an end to some of the, the run of success that Wisconsin had, but it, uh, it's always a game that seems to be at the end of the season, and um, Minnesota being relevant again uh, more so, I think, has added some some juice to that, that rivalry, and mm-hmm. uh, anytime you can get, like I said, just a trophy like that, yeah. uh, I think that's, that's pretty cool and, and shows kind of the history of, of both programs. So for my number two pick, I'm going to go Minnesota-Wisconsin. The thing that interests me about this rivalry list is sure. it's so top heavy it is i mean you have michigan ohio state and then Mm -hmm. after that not to say that there's not the level of animosity but it's just michigan ohio state is on such a different level than than the other big 10 rivalries and with that being said colin you're back on the call (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and this is where it gets more difficult i mean my tendency with this is to go with teams that have had more success because Mm -hmm. that makes a rivalry better yes you got a team that keeps winning one or two games. Mm-hmm. Not much of a rivalry because usually one, the, both teams have to win for that mm-hmm. to be a rivalry. Yeah. So with that said, even though they don't really play for like a trophy, Ohio State Penn State okay. I think is a good little it's rivalry. A, yeah. it's, it's more right. recent because Penn State obviously has not been in the Big Ten quite as long. Yes. But those two teams have played each other throughout the years. According to my all-knowing page I'm looking at here, the first time they played was in 1912, so they've been playing each other for a long time, Mm -hmm. not as long as some of the other rivalries we're talking about. But just uh, you think about just all the history surrounding those two programs. We talked about their uniforms last week and how the, how iconic they are. Mm-hmm. It kind of starts with the look and then trickles down from there into the play and just the, the, the stakes that go mm-hmm. with any season when those two teams meet because ultimately you're talking about national title contenders. Uh, Penn State maybe not so much in the last few years, but back in Joe Paterno's mm-hmm. days, certainly. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the one I'm going with for number three. All right, solid pick. Uh, I'm going to go with another recent rivalry 
neighboring in terms of the Big Ten history. Mm-hmm. Neighboring states, uh, they've always seemed to meet the Friday after uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm going to go Nebraska, Iowa. Uh, yeah. Iowa has had the upper hand uh, in the series since Nebraska joined the Big Ten sure. uh, almost a decade ago. But uh, I think it's a game that both fan bases are, are kind of gearing up for more and more each season. And uh, if Nebraska can ever get back to anything resembling a successful college football program, which they have not been able to do <laughs> for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, I think that game really kind of ratchets, would ratchet up the intensity level at all. And um, yeah, so for our number three pick, I'm going to go Nebraska, Iowa, two passionate fan bases mm-hmm. uh, that, that love their football. And yeah. And the fact too, that the game's always kind of around a holiday and who knows what the weather's going to be like. There may be four inches of snow like there yep. is today in Champaign. I think that just kind of adds to kind of the mystique and the, the aura of the game. So my number three pick, I'm going Nebraska-Iowa. Well, um, I'm sure we've missed a few already. Oh, yeah. I mean, we still have time, though. We have two <laughs> picks left apiece uh, with my number four pick. I think I'm going to go with Michigan and Minnesota. Okay. Um, the, the North the North rivalry. I'm, right. I'm pretty sure I'm making up that that name. Uh, it's just <laughs> the North. F- they play for uh, what the little brown. The little jug. brown jug. Yes, uh, they play for the little brown jug. Yeah, maybe there's not quite the passion behind this rivalry. Like you said, it kind of drops off after mm-hmm. a little while. Because I mean, Michigan and Minnesota haven't historically been on quite the same wavelength. But I think when those two teams get together, there's certainly just a, a fire to it. You're playing for a trophy. And Minnesota has kind of been trying to get on the up and up in recent years, trying to to get up to that level where some of these other Big Ten programs we've been talking about are at. And Michigan, like you said, they have that big brother mentality. I don't think that's just with Michigan State. I think that's with a a few different programs. And Minnesota is probably another one that falls in that category. So I'll, uh, I'll go with Michigan and Minnesota. All right. Well, uh, I was wasn't sure if this one might come up at all, but it's going to come up because I'm going to take it as my let's, next let's selection. It. Um, it's one that uh, folks in Illinois should be very familiar with, and that's <laughs> Illinois Northwestern. Oh yeah. Um, I know I've said before on other programs that that rivalry game just doesn't measure up as a rivalry, but in terms of, I guess defining a rivalry geography has to play a role yeah. and, and that's really why illinois northwestern is a rival i'd say they're, mm-hmm. they're both the, yep. the only two uh big 10 schools in illinois and on the football side they used to play for the sweet sioux tomahawk, tro- tomahawk trophy now they play for a hat uh the land of lincoln trophy <laughs> but uh um, yeah and the northwestern's <laughs> dominated the the series in, in recent years illinois last win was in in 2014 uh, up at evanston and just seeing how excited the players were that game in in 2014. Yes, it was a huge win for Illinois that season because it clinched the bowl berth too. But I've seen them parade around Ryan Field at Evanston carrying the top hat. Uh, kind of solidified, I think, how much it meant to him because I think it's really drilled into the players by mm-hmm. the coaching staffs uh, at both schools. Yes. And uh, obviously, Pat Fitzgerald being a native son and the Northwestern's all-time winningest coach, he's uh, had the upper hand in the rivalry. But I'll mm-hmm. be curious to see adding Brett Bieleman to mix what he I know he and Fitzgerald are, are friendly and, and they talked after Bieleman got the job at Illinois but it wouldn't shock me if during Illinois Northwestern week they <laughs> no take talk. some they take some subtle jabs at, at one another maybe yeah. in, through the media also yeah. my number four pick I'm gonna go Illinois Northwestern right. uh would like to see that series become more competitive as yes. in recent years but uh there's my fourth pick so right. I'm now going to 
rack my brain to come up with a fifth one and hope yeah. you don't say one that I would want to say. Uh, uh, Rutgers against everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rutgers against geography. Um, sorry, Rutgers. I've been crapping on Rutgers it's the last okay. few episodes. It's probably not very nice. But right. um, this fifth one, yeah, like you said, you're kind of racking your brain. So maybe this is a little out there. Maybe it's not. When I got here to Champaign back in 2014, I didn't realize how much people in Illinois hated Purdue. Um, I really did not realize how, how deep that hatred was. So even though it's not the greatest football rivalry, it's probably more of a basketball rivalry mm-hmm. in terms of success anyway. I'm yeah. going to go with Illinois-Purdue. They play for the cannon. Yeah, probably. which is cool. That's a really cool prop to play yeah. for. I mean, It is a very small cannon. Yeah, I mean, can't have <laughs> literal cannons That would add to around. it if they had a really big cannon. <laughs> can't have literal cannons being dragged <laughs> around. Yeah, Illinois-Purdue. Um, I went to Purdue, scheduled Illinois as its homecoming opponent back in 2016 or 17. I went to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn tore up uh, the per- the Purdue defense, and Purdue or Illinois won like thirty five to six or something. Was it at and, Purdue? Yeah, it was at Purdue. It was twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Okay. Keyshawn, even, Keyshawn Vaughn and Josh Ferguson ran, yeah, ran all over. Yeah, just shredded them. And I I realized in that moment, like I realized that coming here, I was like, okay, Illinois fans really hate Purdue, and then I realized <laughs> there. Well, Purdue fans, I mean, you don't like to lose 35-6 to anyone, but, man, Purdue fans really don't like <laughs> Illinois either. So I, I think there's some deep-seated uh, dislike in that rivalry that probably bleeds over more on the basketball court, but right. definitely still has its ties in football too. All right. Uh, for my fifth pick, I was going to go this way, but uh, another one just popped in my mind. I was going to go Maryland-Penn State because those two teams have publicly declared how much they don't like each other mm-hmm. in, in the past, sure. and they've had some in-game uh, – shenanigans Perfect. there you go good, <laughs> good word jinx um but i just can't maryland and rutgers to me still feel like they sh- don't really right. i know they've been in the big 10 for a while but they just it's not the whole right rivalry aspect so i'm going to go with one that kind of on the lighter side of things i, I don't think these schools have a deep mm-hmm. animosity towards each other although okay. they do play for a trophy uh, i'm going to go iowa minnesota because they okay. play for a giant bronze pig in the floyd of rosedale <laughs> trophy so <laughs> Can't go wrong with that if you're playing for something like that that's got so much history. So for my final pick, I'm going to go Iowa-Minnesota. You can um, go Minnesota-Nebraska for the broken chair. Yeah, probably no, fake trophy. Sorry, huh? and sorry to the Illy Buck with <laughs> Illinois-Ohio State. That's pretty cool. They used to actually play for a live turtle back in the day, but uh, obviously now it's just a, a wooden one. That would be cool, though, if they would bring that back. So just to recap, Colin, your top five Big Ten rivalries, you went with Michigan-Ohio State. Smart. Uh, Indiana-Purdue. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Ohio State, Penn State, intriguing. Michigan, Minnesota, uh, give it to you with a little brown jug. And then Illinois, Purdue, the cannon. Like you uh, said, it, it literally does fall kind of off a cliff <laughs> after the first few. <laughs> uh, I went with my, my number one pick, Michigan, Michigan State. Number two, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Number three, Nebraska, Iowa. Number four, Illinois, Northwestern. Number five, Iowa-Minnesota, and after reading all those, Kylan, I'm getting fired up for the return of college football, so oh, yeah. it needs to happen here soon. Sounds like a plan. Uh, we can uh, start with those EIU and ISU <laughs> games. There you go. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll bust out my, uh, my hoodie that I have for EIU. I think nice. that's my only clothing apparel for my alma mater, but oh well. We digress. All right, Colin, anything else we need to cover on Episode 7? I think we've uh, covered it pretty well. Uh, we'll see what comes up next week. Maybe more recruiting news. Oh, no yeah. more no more coaching hires on the front, <laughs> so it's probably going to be a lot of recruiting and uh, talking about FCS football. All right, sounds good. Well, we'll be back next week for another episode of Inside the Line of Football. Have a good week, everyone.